Sony has a new marketing strategy. Let's casually discuss this. Hello and welcome to episode 22 of Triangle Squared. I'm your host, Brett Beck, and alongside me, Mr. Saul Bridges. Lucky your other number beautiful host. 22. Lucky number 22. All right, well, we're back to, you know, back to that still. I, I still never, hold hope. Never, never left. I still hold hope that one day you're going to change. Nope. But I, I'm going to sneak in one day and just say something different before you have a chance to. No, it's going to be like one day I'm going to be sick, and the one day I'm sick and I can't make it, somebody's going to say something else, and then it'll be ruined. Yeah. That's the plan. Nope. That's the plan. I'll be here throwing up on my deathbed. All right. Well, in case you are joining us for the first time, we are Triangle Squared, a PlayStation podcast. We host every Monday at 12 p.m. CST and 10 a.m. PST, or you can find us on podcast services around the globe, uh, and that is iTunes, Triangles, <laughs> iTunes, Triangle Squared, <laughs> iTunes, uh, SoundCloud, uh, Google uh, Play podcast Music, Addict, podcast, or Podbean, anything that has so pod many. somewhere in the name, Yeah, apps. You know, yeah, any any, wherever, any podcast servicing app, I'm pretty sure that it'll be there. Yeah. If not... Whatever's convenient for you. Yeah, just find something that it works for you, because that's what matters. So... Whether you're on a car ride home, or you're not doing work at work. You can watch us be stupid, you can listen to us be stupid. Yeah, we'll try works to make either way. cues. Works either way. So, Saul, go ahead and get this show going. What have you been playing this week, good sir? Good old Dark Souls 2. Scholar of the First Sin. I saw you mentioning, so are you working towards Platt? I sure am. Um, this is one of the Dark Souls games that kind of requires you to be very diligent in your playing because it sets up quest lines in New Game 1 that you have to continue a New Game Plus 2, in a way, to get rings, and that's one of the trophies is to get all the rings. Okay. Um, so I messed up about six months ago doing it, and I killed an NPC by accident, or I, I aggroed them <laughs> um, because I misread something I thought you had to do so to get a certain item. And you did not. Well, when I did that, I accidentally, I had to kill them, which left me a trophy where everybody comes to Majula, which is the, the hub world in this game. And I couldn't get it because I killed them. So that trophy requires all NPCs to come and I killed an NPC and I felt kind of disheartened. So I didn't want to do it anymore. So I gave up on it and I played Dark Souls 3 more recently than Dark Souls 2. So I wanted to go back to Dark Souls 2 to start with since I got Bloodborne Platinumed. I'm going to do Dark Souls 2, then Dark Souls 3, so and then... Plat all these. I'm going to plat all these. And I got Titan Souls, Ooh. which, you know, doesn't really count, but it is... <laughs> You're going to consider it. It's, it still says Souls in well, the name. then I'll get, like, Salt and Sanctuary, and then Man, I'm going to get I all need to the pick Souls that game games. back up. I have not played it, was, it in a while. It was, it was interesting on Vita for sure. I'll probably do it on PS4, though, since... For well, I just reason, got stuck on that game. Oh, really? And I quit playing it, and I didn't try too terribly long, but I got to a point where I was like, I don't really know where to go. Yeah, that kind of can happen in those games. There's well, a, it's because it's 2D, and it's so layered in such weird ways that, I don't know, I have a harder time wrapping my brain around 2D for that style, the way that game breaks up its areas, because, you know, you load in and out. A game like Terraria, where it's just one consistent one world, I'm world. pretty good at finding my way around. Right. Um, now, see, there's also another 2D uh, fighting game coming out. I say fighting game. That's not the right genre. A uh, platformer. Um, and I can't think of the name of it. But it's uh, very heavily in, uh, inspired by Souls games and Symphony of the Night. And I can't think of what it's called, but it looks Thunder? really cool. It's already out. No, that's not it. Okay, make it sure. Uh, I want to say it's like it's uh, it's like Dehumanized or something. I think that's what it's called. I'll find it uh, here in a little bit and come back to it if okay. I need to. But um, uh, been playing that. I picked up Madden 18 because been 
So long since I played a Madden game, not a huge... I love that Blaze res- responded with lame. <laughs> he did? Did you not see that? No. <laughs> he responded with a regular show meme where it was Mordecai saying oh, lame. lame. Yeah. Blaze, you're lame. Anyways, <laughs> um, I'm not a huge, huge fan of football, but I love the Madden games. I think they're pretty fun to play. So they have great soundtracks for the most part, too. Yeah, you know, I'm not a big fan of sports in general, but I do like soccer and I do love FIFA. So I get yeah. you. I mean, I understand. It's kind of the same thing. It's, it's, it's actually the exact same thing. Yeah, it's, it's, well, not, it's not me. It's not what I care about. But I understand where you're coming from. I'm just yeah. on the opposite, you know, on, an, on a different sport. So anything else outside of those two? That's really it. You Sonic know, Mania, did you finish uh, all that before? I, I pretty much have, I think, 100% of that game to the most of my abilities. Yeah. Um, yeah. But what about you? Okay, so me and Donovan humped back into this Diablo. was this was right after we uh, yeah this is right after we finished recording the other day that night. Uh, me and him are knocking through our hardcore characters to finish up getting that uh, trophy for the platinum, um, and I'm pretty close. Uh, after I get this, should be my last character. I'm sorry. After I get this character to level seventy, I have to go back to my witch doctor who's like level sixty, get him to level seventy. Then I get the trophy for having six classes at level 70. Level 70, yeah. Uh, and then I need to do the trophy where you have to break a bunch of stuff within a small time limit. You have to get like your break limit up to like 50 or something. Right. And I still have to uh, somehow, dude, I've killed so many treasure goblins, but I do not have the treasure. I don't have the one for killing 100 treasure goblins. And I don't know if I've done it in the trophies. Glitch. Glitch. Oh, that, would, that would be I the worst not. game to but have a glitch it's, on. It's terrible that that game does not have any kind of a thing for you to check how much of something you've killed. I would have really liked that, at least for special stuff like Treasure Goblins. Um, but, oh well, kind of yeah. sucks. So I'm really close to platinuming that. Uh, me and him are probably going to play again tonight at some point. Um, outside of that, I haven't played a whole lot. I picked up the Lost Legacy, and I've been playing the Lost Legacy. I'm pretty close to the end. I ended up having to kind of play um, tech support with one of my friends last night who uh, got a PS4, but the controller wouldn't sync, so me and him spent like an hour going through what we could do to fix that. Who was that? Uh, you don't know him, Tyler Starks, but he, oh. got, he got a PlayStation, and um, and this is his first one, if I'm not mistaken, and he was just lost on, whenever he plugged the controller in, it was just flashing white. And I'm really, I, we went through everything, reset the controller, went to safety mode, tried rebuilding the database. As far as I know, we never got it working. Uh, oh, that sucks. Some people say that you have to use the original micro USB, but regardless, we got back to what I was playing. I'm very close. I think I'm to the last chapter of the last uh, of the Lost Legacy. Uh, so I'm, I love it, man. It's really good. Um, Square XO Dan was mentioning that he liked Chloe more than the Nate. Nate, which and is while crazy. I'm not there, uh, this game does such a better job at fleshing out Chloe as a character. Uh, in which two and three never really bothered with uh, you. You learn about her, and you and you. Yeah, you beca- within the confines of her relationship with Nate, but with her being the main person and kind of going through all this, you're learning much more about her. And surprisingly, Nadine is a lot better in this game. I felt like she just was kind of a means to an end in four, even though I liked her okay. Somebody else said that about four, and I can't remember who it was. But I don't know, I, but I, Nadine I see... was just, and eh, some people hated Nadine. Uh, I, I think she's fine, but she's a lot more humanized in this game. Uh, and. I'm, like she's relatable uh, in comparison to four, in my opinion. Um, but game's great. I'm not going to do any spoilers, uh, but I do love it. Uh, I wish you had picked it up. Could have done impressions on that, but I don't. It's not really necessarily your type of game, though. I do think you. I, I told you I think you'd like this one due to the open nature of uh, when you get to the fourth chapter. And it gets real open. I, I would like to see it explored in more Uncharted games. But besides that, I'm kind of going through that and working on the platinum for that at this particular time period. But that's about it for me. So. Well, I like Uncharted games. It's just I well, want myself I know, and you still haven't played 4, and yeah, you don't want to play this one without having played 4. Right. Uh, that's important, because it does take place after the events of 4. Right. That's and not Nadine a spoiler. was only in 4, right? 
it's uh yes she's only been in four so far yeah so that's um something so, for sure kind of i don't want to waste that experience but re- hearkening back to the for, for the game i was talking about it's called blasphemous and it oh. may only be a switch game no never mind it's no right here no i remember exactly i know exactly what you're talking about because the artwork looks sick on it yeah it, yeah. Dude, it looks like and you know people will say that and this is partially true that dark souls pulls influences uh from castlevania of course. That's, that's a that's a given and this is kind of uh mixing the two worlds together in a great way that's cool so, yeah i'm excited well let's go ahead and hop into the uh into the, the, the drop, give me the drop, drop into it. Yeah. <laughs> so I hate you everybody does. Uh, this week we <laughs> we Beyonce have and all. <laughs> we have Absolver. Uh, we have Art of Fighting Anthology, a PS2 classic on PS4. We have Dead Alliance for PS4 for digital and retail. We have Detention, a PS4 title. We have Everybody's Golf. A game people have been wanting to come out. A Forty dollars. I'm 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 gonna pick it up. I don't know if I'm picking it up right now. Dude, I love like these. Uh, but have you seen? And then, but there's apparently way more. There's like buggy things and stuff in it. It's super weird. But Shuhei Yoshida is in it, by the way. That's Mr. Really Shuhei. Cool. Yeah, there's a video of him playing as himself. <laughs> I've been loving seeing him in these games lately because like, he was in Broforce or one of those. I don't think it was Broforce. I think it was Super Time something. But anyway, go ahead. Sure. Uh, is, it, is it a marked out game? Yeah, I was I was trying to figure out if that game was either canceled or got delayed, but it was fact on them. Yeah, 90, probably so. delayed, I would imagine. We have Fishing Planet, a PS4 title. Grim Legends 2, Song of the Dark Swan, PS4. We have The Last Day of June, PS4, of course. We have a, probably a bigger hit on the list this week. We have Life is Strange Before the Storm, Episode one. You know, I'm always killer on those games because I just can't. You can't. It's I, like I, I wait until the whole thing's out. I want to play it as a. I want to play it as a whole experience. Right. That's just the way I am. And I've only ever followed one TV show that's episodic like that. And that was Game of Thrones. I can't do it with video games either. So. It, yeah, I wait till a show is pretty much completely gone or the majority there, so I can just binge, just binge watch. It. Yeah, that's that's why I love Netflix originals. Yeah, I just do all on one day. We have the Lost Bear, a PS VR title. We have a game that looks hilarious. It's called the Metronomicon Slay the Dance Floor <laughs> for PS4. What's with all the dancing games? You see the two Persona dancing games coming out? Well, uh, Persona dancing games have been a thing. Oh, I'm, yeah. I, I, remember, I, I remember Persona 4 or dancing, dancing all, night. all night on yeah. the PS3. Ugh. I think it came back on Vita. Did it? I'm 99% sure it did. Um, there's that There's that 1% that I'm wrong. We have Abduction for PS4. We have Pillars of Eternity Complete Edition, Ooh, boy, which I'm is getting that PS4. Game. I'm getting that game. Retail and digital. That game is a roguelike, right? Uh, no, it's a uh, it's a, a top-down, uh, isometric third-person um, dungeon crawler-ish style game. It's a classic RPG, kind of similar to the old, uh, uh, not the 3D ones that are that most people know, like Baldur's Gate, but the old, I mean, the old Baldur's Gate, not Dark Alliance Baldur's Gate. Right. Um, and I love those type of games. I mean, like they're somewhat similar to Diablo. Uh, they're structured a little bit differently, so kind of like Gauntlet and stuff, too, to an extent. Ooh, I like Gauntlet. Um, but we have Red Out, a PS4 digital and retail. We have another game on the list I'm actually really excited for. We have Resident Evil Revelations. Finally coming to PlayStation Finally. 4. They, they, already, they came to PS3 Finally. and 360, right? Yeah. After and coming out on... I'll tell you Remember, right now, it skipped Vita, but then Resident Evil Revelations 2 came to Vita. Yeah. Stupid. If, you, uh, if you're a fan <laughs> of Resident Evil and you've never played these series, because I'll say it right now, like... It was hard for you to play if you didn't have a 3DS back in the day because that's what it launched on. Um, it's a great game. Like I love it. It's actually my top ten. Uh, it's I'd much say top more twenty. It's 3DS much more games. trying to pull from the Resident Evil Four style, right? Where Which, it's where well, it's still trying to be enough. It's trying to be a little darker, like the original three games. Like the I do feel that just about every game after four has done this, except seven. 
Well, yeah, I get what you're saying, but I mean, it's a little less actiony Uh-oh. than the likes of six uh, and five. From what I played, it's a little more tense and horror filled than five and six were. Okay, I can kind of see that. Yeah. yeah. Whereas four had a little more tension and, and mystery and wasn't quite as action oriented. Right. Because six, I heard, was basically a, a Gears of War game. So it's all I didn't play shooter. six. I don't know. It didn't look good to me. I didn't like bouncing around people's stories. But go ahead. And this is what I heard. This could be not true, but you know, uh, we have Rocket Ages two, bigger and bolder out for PS4. We have. Oh, by the way, just look at that face. I love it. <laughs> Such a smug face. We have Sneaky Bears, a PSVR title. We have Spark, a PSVR title. That actually looks cool. Spark does. I mean, very loosely. I think it's too much money for what it is, but I still think it looks interesting. I think VR is really showing that it's here to stay in much more of a way than Move ever did. So yeah, I'm proud of it's it. It's still I'm niche, very proud of it. Some, think, that some of that goes into the news, so go ahead. We'll talk right. about it in a minute. Uh, we have Still Time, a PS4 and PS Vita game. We have Surf Ward series for PS4. Warriors All-Stars for PS4. Uh, we have White Day, a labyrinth named School. Very odd title, PS4. We have Windjammers, a PS4 and PS Vita title. We have X-Morph Defense, a PS4 digital title. We have Yakuza Kiwami for PS4 digital and retail. Never played any of the Yakuza games. I'm not sure if this is the same, in the same game um, storyline as the Yakuza games are. I don't know if this is a separate game. Kiwami, yeah, Kiwami is a remake of the first game. Oh, that's actually really cool then. Yeah. So this would be a good place to start if I was want to pick up Yakuza. Yes, and, 4, and right? news comes back into this in actually a second too. So we'll talk sure. about that. So actually, I'm going to go ahead and hop in the news so we can segue yes. into that. that I'm actually it. going off of the Yakuza one. I'm going to hop into that one first, even though it's not first of the list. So with Yakuza Kiwami coming out uh, over here finally, uh, they actually just announced that the Yakuza series is getting another remake in the form of the second game. It's going to be Yakuza Kiwami 2. My assumption that Kiwami probably means like remake or rebirth or something similar. So Yakuza 3 came out on PS3, right? Uh, yes, Yakuza 3 was the first PS3 one. Yakuza 1 and 2 were PS2 games. Right. Uh, so these are being both Kiwami. I think Kiwami may have been in Yakuza 5's engine, but I think it was 6's engine. And Yakuza Kiwami. Wait, what? How many Yakuza's are there now? Uh, six came out this year before Kiwami did. Or six, hold on, six may be coming out. There's been so many because they did Yakuza <laughs> Zero, which is like a prequel. Uh, and then Yakuza Kiwami and then Yakuza 6 all in a short, short period because I was want to pick up Yakuza 6 it is Yakuza 6 yeah. okay yeah I was want to pick up that game but I don't know anything about the story and I heard you really don't have to but yeah. well I would the interesting part is do. that uh, Yakuza Kiwami 2 comes out in Japan on December 7th that's okay really that's soon really yeah that's really still soon, no word together. still no word on a western release but we all west is finally getting kiwami so the the, the assumption is okay, it's inevitable the games come. do pretty well over here for the type of game they are so uh anyway going back uh let's see life is strange developer don't not entertainment have announced that they are working on a new ip with publisher bandai namco the game will take place in a fictional u.s city and involve a quote fair dose of investigation end quote this project is set to reveal uh set to be revealed in 2018 um I think they're interesting developers. I really like their first game, uh, Remember Me. We've talked about that a couple times. It wasn't a perfect game, but I think it was a good game. Uh, develop- I mean, it was published by Capcom. Originally, it was going to be a PlayStation 3 exclusive, and Sony dropped it. Uh, I still think it would have been a good exclusive, but whatever. Uh, next thing on the list, NetherRealm Studios have announced a second fighter pack for Injustice 2. I don't know if you've seen this. Yeah, it is the uh, pack Hellboy. Hellboy, Raiden from uh, Mortal Kombat, and Black Manta. And I have no clue what Black Manta's from. I'm just... 
I, and this could be this is a minority opinion, I'm sure, but I'm sick of them mixing um, Mortal Kombat. Mortal in. Kombat. Yeah, I kind of see that. DC. I kind of see that. To be it's just, to it's, be it's fair, so, it's just a weird trope. Uh, but I do think it's really they're balancing that by bringing really interesting people like Hellboy in. And this is coming from someone who won a Mortal Kombat tournament. Yeah. I like the games. Oh, I did too. It's just I don't like these, um, these tie I, I think it's just really, weird. really interesting that they're doing that way. Uh, next thing up, speaking of VR, VR game uh, Dead Hungry was announced to be coming to BSVR. The game sees you making food to give to zombies amidst a zombie invasion and has a vibe similar to Job Simulator. Uh, the port will be handled by Q Games of Pixel Junk fame. Uh, no word of release, at least from the last time I checked. Uh, Bandai Namco have officially given Dot .hack GU last recode of release date. I'm so excited, dude. Uh, the disc will include all three games from the PS2 dot hack GU series remastered for the PS4 with many improvements to not only the visuals, but all the way down to gameplay systems. So excited. And I'm, oh my God. I'm those games are so good. Uh, and be fair, I did not play Dot Hack GU. Yeah, I played the original Dot Hack. Those didn't come to the U.S., did they? Yes, they did. They did, okay. but late, like 2006, seven, and eight. See, Dot Hack were always games that I rented at Blockbuster, but I could never finish yeah. or play enough of before super I had long. to return. The Dot Hack, the original Dot Hack series for PS2 was amazing. It was. I loved Dude, it. And and the show, I actually could find clippets of the show on YouTube when yeah, like 2010. The, the show was great. Um, yeah, it was always good. Man, I have you seen, the, did you see the gameplay that they announced for this, like alongside it? Nope. Dude. I'm going in blind. Don't wrong. It's not showing a whole lot. And a lot of it's just a little bit of cutscenes. So you can see they remastered the cutscenes and made sure that they actually, like they rebuilt them to make sure they looked good for, because you know, some games that are remastered don't remaster the cutscenes and they look yeah, bad. Yeah, and it looks terrible. Uh, but they're doing that. They're remastering cutscenes, making sure those look great. But dude, actually, the way that the graphics are setting up, it looks comparable to about what Tales of Zillia looked like and to about the same level of linear, like linearness, which I'm fine with because this game is probably going to fill the void that the last two um, yeah, Tales games have kind of left. Because you know I love Zillia. I was a huge proponent of right. Zillia. I absolutely adore that game. That was the PS3 version, right? Yes. Okay. Uh, and I really... And, and Zill, Zillia was, 2 was not near as good. I don't want to get into that. Vesteria was PS4. Uh, uh, yeah, there's Bursaria and then there's Vesteria. Vesteria? Uh, yeah, Tales of Vesteria. On PS4? On PS4. And then Bursaria. Was that game good? It was okay. I mean, it wasn't bad. It's just I have very high expectations because of Zillia. And when the game doesn't meet that, I don't know. It sounds exactly it, like Star Ocean. It throws me off. And, I'm, and I like Star Ocean. I did quit playing eventually. Star Ocean was good. It just wasn't as good as Star Ocean 3 on PS2. This sounds like, yeah, this sounds like the typical thing for JRPGs. Yeah. So anyway, uh, and, uh, it's a little unfair. But anyway, the uh, the game is, the Dot .hack trilogy is coming out November 3rd. So I'm pretty sure $60, they keep not saying that, but I, $60 is it. fine for three games that they're yep. handling with this level of detail. Uh, next up, a new Souls-inspired game with a twist has been announced for PS4. Uh, titled Immortal Unchained. The game sees you play as a living weapon aiming to end, uh, end a cataclysmic event in Souls-like fashion, but with the added twist of having guns. So the game is being developed by Toadman Interactive and has no release yet, uh, has no release window yet, but it actually looks pretty interesting. I like the idea of this kind of gameplay being merged with a third-person shooter. I, I saw, um, so you know Cliff Bozinski compared um, Lawbreakers to a uh, the first 
Souls-like shooter. Did you ever hear him say that? No, I did not. He said that, but somebody brought that up in the comments on the trailer, but somebody also said, can they stop throwing together random words as titles for video games? Yeah, the uh, Immortal Unchained. Yeah, well, but it's like, come on, I will say, original. I will say that it does seem like that actually is going to play into the general basis of the story. So, um, next thing up is Shinmu 3 received a new teaser at Gamescom this week showing beautiful environments, with some not so beautiful character designs and animations, uh, which was Dude. J- just staggering. So we also get news that the game will have thirty hours, roughly, of story. <laughs> so for audio listeners, um, there is a adult book Why named did you do Immortal that? Unchained. Did you just Google Immortal Unchained? Yeah, I did. Oh man! All right, so um, yeah, Shinbu Three will have about thirty hours of gameplay. Uh, no word on the release date still, but this is the most substantial news we've gotten since the announcement of the game uh, back in E3 2015. Yeah. Yeah, it's been a while. So uh, Horizon Zero Dawn is the next thing up. It's receiving another interesting update, or actually it already has. Patch 1.32 brings with it the introduction of story difficulty. In contrast to last update's ultra-hard difficulty, this aims to let less experienced players still experience the world and story of Horizon without too much difficulty in combat sections. The update boosts players' inflicted damage and reduces the damage received to the players to make the combat sections more manageable for less experienced players. Wasn't there already an easy difficulty? No. Was it normal and hard? It was just normal. Then they added ultra hard. That's right. I'm pretty sure. I could be wrong on that. If I am, let me know. Tweet at me. That's such a weird thing to do. Um, it is, but I like that they're adding that because th- I'm, my assumption is that they've heard people say that they like the game but it was too hard, and they're coming Ooh. back in. Dude, we're core gamers who play a lot of games. I guess so, but like, un- like Horizon just doesn't seem like it's uh, one of those games that appeals to a general public. Actually, I could see it. It's got a lot of things going for it. It's not only is it beautiful, but you know, it's interesting story. Uh, regardless, let's go up to the next thing. And I'm actually excited about this one. I shared it on Twitter. Uh, THQ Nordic have announced a new game in the way of Biomutants, developed by Experiment 101, a studio made up of uh, ex-Avalanche studio devs. The game is described as, quote, an open-world post-apocalyptic kung fu fable, end quote. Uh, the game lets players change their character's appearance and abilities with mutations, bionics, and other weapons. Players can also genetically modify their characters with claws, barbed tails, and wings while having access to an array of weapons from guns to swords. And Biomutant is set to release sometime in 2018. They showed about 11 minutes of gameplay that looked really interesting. Um, and while the game does look a little rough and like it's in still somewhat mid stages of development, I think that it has a lot of promise right. and quirkiness and charm that comes with these kind of odd hack and slash style. Well, games. this, I don't, I think that this game has got so much weird creativity in, to, into what makes it up that it's a little hodgepodge. See me a little bit, but I think that they're letting some weird ideas in. It, I, what I like about THQ Nordic right now is that they seem to be pretty keen on letting, and I don't know how they're doing it from a monetary standpoint, but they, they seem keen on letting developers kind of make the game they just want to make. Right, and I still have um, not some, some, some doubts, but I still have some reservations about the game because it looks great. I mean, it's really early. It's, um, really, it's a really an original type game, too. Yeah, I, I love the idea. I, I talked about it with Twitter on, with some person. Uh, but ha, did you see the little hand mech that walks around and yeah. lays down and does the and shooting like thing? the laser. Not Dude, well. 
I, it I, looks good. It was doing the little mime thing and shooting and doing damage. It's it super interesting to me. And I, I watched the character creation video, and I thought that that something it has about the some, potential for sure. Yeah, something about the way the game is playing right now. It's 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 it, weird. For some reason, in my mind, it's not like that. It's it's similar. It's just the quirkiness and uniqueness of its style and everything it's doing makes me think of Nier Automata for some reason. That is a very weird kind of correlation there. Yeah, I don't know, but I just I thought, I'm excited for it. There's something off about the gameplay. And I can't figure out what it is. I think partially it's just just running on a. Un, I think un, it's that it's just not super polished right now. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I still think I'm glad that they announced it with that much of a substantial thing to show. That's cool. Yeah, Good to that's see. true. And Especially that it's coming a, not like that the long from now. Creation segment yeah. was pretty cool to yeah, see. Too. I was glad to see that. Uh, so the next thing up is that the download size for everybody's golf has been revealed. Uh, if you plan on picking it up, you will need 7.91 gigabytes of hard drive space. Uh, next thing, Bethesda have announced the date for uh, all three of its upcoming VR titles, uh, though only two of them will be making it to PSVR. Skyrim VR launches exclusively to PSVR on November 17th. Doom VFR, don't need to know what that F stands for, is set to release on both PSVR and Vive on December 1st, and Fallout 4 VR releases exclusively for Vive on December 12th. Uh, all three games will be fifty nine ninety nine, proving that Bethesda are the masters of making money off the same games over For and over. So long. Come on. How many times can you release Skyrim? I'm pretty sure that there was a board meeting where they go, guys, Skyrim was a breakout of success. Throughout the next 10 years, I want to see it released in as many forms that you can. Five times so far. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I just had to count it out. Five times. Are you including the Switch one on that? Yes. Okay. Yeah, so the original version, the Game of the Year version on old consoles... Um, the game of the year version for the new consoles or the the what is it the yeah the special Skyrim, edition yeah remastered and then you have uh Switch and then you have VR, VR yeah I'm sure we'll see it again before it's all over don't get me wrong I'm excited to fight dragons in VR I'm just not excited about paying sixty dollars to do so uh, next thing up Sonic Forces has actually been already been given a release date uh in Japan sadly uh, no word on Europe or North America North North America yet but Japanese players can expect to play Sonic Forces on November 9th. Do not um, get your hopes up if you played Mania, because I'm going to have a hard time. I don't know, man. They're so, they're it, so it, drastically it different that I think it's they fun. are. I, but I hope Sonic Forces is good. You know, I love, oh, I do too. You know yeah, I love I Sonic do too, Adventure, sure. and Sonic 3D games can be great. Boy, if they added, here's how. Okay, Sega, if you want to make money, go ahead. Jump in to mobile market gaming, like Square Enix is doing, sadly, but do it this way alongside Sonic Forces, release a Chow Companion app where you could take control of a Chow like you could in Sonic Adventure 2. Tell me that ain't a good idea. That is a great idea. Like the memory card, you that need is to a pop great, it in That now. is a great idea. Let your phone act as a... And it could be like a... It could track your steps and help the Chow grow. It would be amazing. I Now that you said that, I wonder if the Chows are even going to have a... Any kind of involvement. A presence, yeah, probably not. All right, next thing up, Dragon Ball Fighters with a Z at the end, uh, had it collector's edition officially announced. It will include the game, a 7-inch Manga Dimensions exclusive coloring, uh, Super Saiyan Goku statue, an exclusive steelbook, and three artboards, only one of which has actually been shown. Right. So I'm curious to see what the other is going to be. Uh, the collector's edition will cost $139 and releases alongside the game sometime next year. Did you listen to Drago's comment and sign up for the beta? I didn't. I didn't have. I, I didn't did. do it within time. I did. Uh, so maybe I can provide some impressions on that once I download. Well, see, I think the game looks really good, and I think it's going to pull me in if more than it. Xenoverse ever did for some reason. Xenoverse seemed okay, but it just bland. 
Xenoverse about it. was fun for oh, three hours, yeah. three or four hours, and then it got really kind of repetitive. Yeah, and that's why I didn't mess with two at all, um, to be fair. Yeah, I didn't either. All right, the last thing on my list, even though I'm pretty sure I missed a couple of things, I was very busy, uh, but Square Enix have announced a 3D remake of Secret of Mana coming in 2018 for Vita and PS4. Boy. And look, there's people that have their own reservations about the fact that this is a 3D remake of a 2D game that people loved. There's all that stuff, but I do want to say for a second... Kudos to Square for consistently, as much as possible, putting their games out on the Vita. There's a it, part. It is amazing to me that they continue to do so. I thought Dragon Quest Builders and, and Final Fantasy, uh, World of Final Fantasy probably would have been some of the last that you'd seen that with. But you Let know. me see some real quick because I'm, I'm 99% sure there is a... Um, the art style is problem. somewhat similar to uh, World of Final Fantasy. Kind of chibi-ish. Just a little bit? Just a little bit, yeah. But enough to... Um, oh, no. You said... Oh. Well, anyway, as a no, quick, no, as a quick aside chibi, while you're doing this... You said Chibi and Final Fantasy, and did you see Final Fantasy fifteen? That, that's what I was just about to say, is that technically this has nothing to do with PlayStation, but they are remaking... Not necessarily remaking, but they're taking the main story of Final Fantasy fifteen and breaking it out in episodic releases for cell phone with touch controls. There I actually is think money dude, being put into this. But the main team is not developing it. I know, but still. Dude, I don't know. I'm, I'm interested. I'm not. Do you, what phone? Name a phone that can play that game for more than two hours without its battery died. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's a good point, but just play it at home with your... <laughs> By the way, the cool thing about Secret of Mana is I had to make sure, because there's a lot of older games with um, mana in the name, but there is a part... I always try to... Um, yeah, you found the sword pull, right? Yeah, to emulate this game, but you have to press two buttons, A and B, to pull the sword out, and I could never do that with my phone emulation. <laughs> so now I can actually play this game again, and it's going to be great. It's a great game. If you haven't ever played the game before, I recommend you play it as soon as you can. That's probably going to be a Vita title for me. It's just that it's one of those titles that just really seems at home on Vita. You know what I mean? And it and it seems a little more dated when you play it on something like I'm PS4. I'm waiting. When when is the end of Gamescom? Twenty second, right? Uh, Wait, what was the twenty sixth? I don't know what I'm. I thinking. think Gamescom's over now. Is it? Yes. Pretty sure. Okay. I'm waiting for a. Um, Sony PlayStation handheld thing. What was their big hype up? What was their big thing was it revealing? Uh, I'm pretty sure it ended up being the Gran Turismo PlayStation. It wasn't that big. Oh. People just took it as... I mean, you could tell by the backdrop it was going to be Gran Turismo related. And the fact it, that it yeah. looked like, you know, when the cars are sitting with the things on top of them and spinning around. Yeah. Anyway. I'd be interested to hear Ryan GT if um, if you're going to pick that up because I do, I being such say, a big uh, Gran Turismo fan. The system looks beautiful. It does. Have you actually it, seen it that? I love yeah. the idea of the stark contrast between the black bottom of the right, system. Right. I was going to say that. that how and that how silver that top. Difference. Now, if they could do that with the PS4 Pro to have like the middle section a certain color... That'd be interesting too. Yeah, that like would it, be interesting. Oh, uh, but uh, have, have we, the top and bottom be silver and the in the center be black. That'll be that'd that'll, be cool. That would be sick. That would be yes. sick. Um, before we jump too far into the actual topic, we have a little bit of reader mail. Not much because I forgot to post this and I posted it during the show. Luckily, we had <laughs> three people, three good old Twitter followers over there at Triangle SQRD. My boy Dan. Our boy Dan said, "Lost Legacy." A possible experiment for a more open world style, The Last of Us Two, or not? So it's actually very interesting. So we that loosely you, talked about it. Yeah. Yes. This I was an inspiration for a topic uh, about this, and we talked kind of about this. I think that that would be a fun thing to do. I think that, and I'm pretty sure it's what I said last time. Uh, but now that I've actually experienced it in The Lost Legacy, and I know what it feels like, and I know that it's not too big while still seeming manageable on the on Naughty Dog's side. 
by keeping it feeling as linear as a Uncharted game needs to to f- make the story spart- parts feel natural. Yes. Um, then it'll, it'll, but it'll not work. so open that it's something like The Witcher or Skyrim where it's ridiculous. Uh, yeah. I do like the idea of a confined open world with more stuff to do because you saw them mess around with a bigger area that, with open linear in four, but there wasn't anything to do outside of treasure that was just randomly findable. But there wasn't something that was like points on a map. I like the idea of pulling a map out. I like the idea of looking at the spots and deciding where you're going to drive and the area is big enough to make that right. fun. Uh, and the driving mechanics are good enough to make that fun. Uh, I think that it depends on how they do it in, in The Last of Us 2, but I do think that this is a really good test subject, and I think that The Last of Us 2, as long as it sticks with this kind of condensed, but still just open enough to give you a feeling of exploration, I, I think that that's probably the perfect thing about for Uncharted, because Uncharted always felt so scripted that it took a little bit of the exploration out. The exploration beats came from seeing the crazy cities and stuff. Right. But and that wasn't cool. often enough. When you're actually just running around an area and be like, what's this? And go into it and be like, oh, hey, cool. Yeah. It felt a little more treasure huntery, and which it is, felt a little more good. realistic to what you you imagine a treasure hunter would go through. So I think that that idea is cool for Uncharted, but I think that because of the scavenging elements of The Last of Us, that they could tie that in. Right. Kind of like Days Gone. Sure. Sure. If they can try and find a way to tie it, but also I don't want it to go too far to Days Gone because yeah. those games already have two similar so simul- similarities. Yeah, so I, I think that it's a cool idea. And I, actually, Dan, uh, whenever we'll tweet back at you if, if you haven't already. I'm interested in hearing what you think about that segment. Uh, I'm sure you're probably through it by now, if not even beating the game. So uh, what's the next few? Um, well, I was going to uh, say I do agree with this as well. Uh, oh, I think, yeah, sorry. I think that uh, The Last of Us 2 would be interesting if it had a couple sections like this, but I think that it'd be cool if Naughty Dog, and this is what I told you earlier, if Naughty Dog did its own uh, new IP after they're done with these big yes, IPs. Yes, that's, that's an open world. Which would be really cool. Yes. yes. Yeah. I think that, because they've shown that they could do a good job at it. Um, but we have our boy Jonathan over here at uh, Shenanigans and Such. We're going to assume it's Jonathan. Technically, it could be. It could be Dylan, or it could be Pants. Yeah. <laughs> pants. I, or it could be, good I don't story. know I can, I can, I, who knows? Uh, Kratos versus Conor McGregor versus Mayweather. Who you got? Uh, Kratos, very, well, obviously. very obviously, very, very uh, obviously. And Kratos will do it in a lot less cocky of a manner than Mayweather or, or Conor McGregor to the greater extent. Yeah, man. Mayweather can't read his moves though. Um, what's your favorite <laughs> PS4 game and why? A question brought. I, I want to go back to Kratos real quick. The reason the reason Kratos would win is that he would not be ashamed to just rip both of their heads off. That's true. Yeah, so he, he's a video game character. Yeah, he <laughs> so, would just kill him. That's true. Um, but Joe Robinson tweeted in and said, "What is your guys' favorite PS4 game and why?" Okay. We all know the answer to this for me. For Bloodborne. Right. Um, and Which, man, it's so hard not to want to say Bloodborne too. Because I just think Bloodborne has been probably the most interesting example of what they did with a series that people loved and took it in such a different direction that and, it was it familiar, but it was unique. And it worked out perfectly. Yeah, I mean, but that's that's why, in my opinion, it worked out perfectly. It took what people were familiar with and put it in a completely different area, different setting, sped it up a little bit, but somehow it still felt like what you liked, but felt new enough and different enough and looked different enough. Um, I'm going to look at my games real quick. Let's see. Because I do want to say that as, near a, Automata, as, a, very, as a very similar experience, uh, it's going to go near Automata or Until Dawn. And 
realistically, really? yeah, I thought Until Dawn was fantastic. It is a good game. Uh, I just, your favorite PS4 game? One of them, yeah, man. Crazy. It, it's up there because I think it, as an experience. Now, replayability is not necessarily a huge thing for me in that because... Because you can get by with about two times in that game. Yeah, two or more three or times. Uh, Nier Tomata is probably my favorite game in general. And, and of all time? It's tied between Nier and Nier Tomata. Uh, well, let's not, let's not spoil something for a potential Game of the Year awards we may do. Yeah, well, I'm just going to say that if we want to go into why, I just think that Yoko Taro's got a very, very interesting, unique well, vision. I was getting at it. Don't say it's your game of the year. Cause I mean, but I'm, well, here's, here's the thing. I'm pretty sure it is. I said it as soon as it came out. Yeah. But at the same time, I do want to say that there's a lot of games to come out, so that could change. Uh, but those games stick with me in such a way that other games don't. So that's probably why they it's have it. such unique... Uh, replayability in their own little weird here's how we're going to change the story and give you more of what you are we're giving you different sides of what you've already seen I love that aspect um, and it makes a lot of sense and I think that going deeper and deeper and deeper as you continue to play through and and I don't know it's the game you never feel like oh this is the real ending this is never the real ending this is and then it gets to a point where you're like oh that that was the ending See, aside from there's no if ands or buts, that's the ending. Aside from the endings part, that's how I feel about the Dark Souls and Bloodborne series. Yeah, the Bor- yeah. Soulsborne series. Even though they and, do have their little ending thing, depending on how you play it. So right, not as not as. Um, I, but I'm with you. Bloodborne's a fantastic answer for that yeah. question. Uh, that's, it is a very good answer. I do think that there is an argument to be made that Until Dawn is one of the most interesting uses of the PS4, in a sense of I don't think anybody expected it to be that. I don't think anybody. I mean, I, partially because expectations. It got announced as a PS3 move game that was probably going to be mediocre. And this game Correct. flipped completely into something that is more memorable than a good amount of, of PS4 games. When we're talking about all PS4 games, I think it's a great exclusive as well. But I think the PS4 has had a good thing of making a lot of its exclusives very memorable. Uh, now, Nier Automata is a, a superficial exclusive because it is on PC. Um, but it's a console exclusive. And I love Yoko Taro, my boy. Um, he followed us on Twitter. It, it made my heart smile. We are famous. <laughs> All right, that clear up. Yeah, that's it. Like Bloodborne, game of the generation for me. Obviously, um, I'm with you. I mean, I, I, I get where hard. you're going. So it's hard to beat. All right. Well, thank every one of y'all who uh, who messaged in with some questions. That's we, we love that. It's so fun. I can't believe we actually got to do it. I've been so busy. Lately. Well, I can't believe that we got three responses that quick into the podcast. I know. I love I you guys. I, I submitted the que- uh, the tweet. I like saw 10 you minutes ago. tweeting. I was like, I don't know what he's doing. All right. Well, well now we're going to go ahead and jump into the topic of the show, which I don't think is going to be too terribly long, but I did think it was interesting. Uh, and when I was wording up how I wanted to kind of go about it last night, I just I felt like it struck in a way because uh, whenever so what does come from. Uh, the, the, the topic of the show is can Sony's proposed marketing shift to bring in casual players affect the console's reception with the core gamers? Uh, and then the secondary part of that is what can they do to make the console more attractive to non-core gamers? Uh, so this topic actually stems from a discussion that was had at Gamescom uh, with Sony, Jim Ryan, and some other executives and stuff where they were talking about that they have pretty much reached the core gamer. Right. The the 60 plus million they've sold is more or less the the core gamer marketing or the core gamer market is pretty much bought into the system at this point. Uh, So now it's about how do you break 100 million units like the PS2 did by making the console a little more attractive to people who are not core gamers, a little more casual or people who are gamers, not necessarily casual, but haven't necessarily seen that need to jump to PS4 um, yet. Which is a crazy thought concept to me. Um, so I, I want to go over the quote real quick. If you, right, if you yeah, like go me. ahead. Uh, so his quote, uh, this is Jim Ryan, who's had very mixed things to say, but I think that this one makes sense. 
So, uh, quote is, we've now sold through 60 million PS4s, so the core gamer audience has bought in. Uh, so now we're looking for ways to appeal to a new audience, a less engaged audience, a younger audience, perhaps even an older audience. So people who may be a little bit intimidated by the DualShock 4 and all of its buttons. Um, so the thinking was to find an interface that people are very familiar and comfortable with, and there's nothing better than a smartphone, end quote. I think that that is very true. If you're going to talk about people who are not necessarily core gamers or bought into console gaming yet, what's the quickest and easiest way to do it? Even old people, for the most part, understand how to use a smartphone. A oh, of course. Of course. They spend millions of dollars over the course of a year on Candy Crush. So <laughs> Just old people. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, that, that, I'm not going to... But, but kids and... Doing generalizations. Kids and, and, you know, sometimes, you know, sometimes the girls who is... is there are plenty of girl gamers, but there are also plenty. What are you doing, Saul? Look at this new setup, boy. Um, Sorry, audio listeners. I just moved my chair. You're not missing out on Anyway, much. so but what I'm getting at, there's a lot of girls that don't play games. There's a lot of girls that do play games, but that is an audience that has not necessarily been tapped into. Well, I would think it's probably pretty easy to say that girls, younger girls, probably make up a pretty large majority of the cell phone gaming market you're talking about. When I say large majority, I mean I don't care if it's fifty five. Kim Kardashian game that made her like five I'm million you, dollars. Crazy. In a so, day. but every one of these people, people who are bought into gaming on cell phones but haven't made the transition, this is a transitional step. This gets them playing a PS4 game, even if it's with their phone, which gets them that much closer to picking up a DualShock 4 and going, I'm going to play Knack now. Because, like I said, there was a talk with Mark Cerny about how Knack was specifically designed to make sure that it could be played easily by young kids. But is it? It is. Maybe, it maybe. is. And that's why I was going to say that the game translated the remote play perfectly because the entire game is played from the front side of the controller. You do not use the shoulders at all, uh, which is good because you ever see people playing games that have to use the shoulder and they start flipping the controller up to making sure they're touching the right things? Yeah, or if you did like what I did as a kid, I held my PS2 controller with my index and my middle finger I, on. I both still do that. Dude, it's such a weird thing for me to do nowadays. I can't do it. I just can't. But I have seen people who, especially like if you watch uh, just – Anybody, if you hand a controller to anybody who's never held it before, the first thing that you do is say, press X. They're going to hold the controller up and look to see where X is at. And, so, and that's what I mean. And it's one of those things where it's a lot easier to tell somebody to hit X, though, when they're looking at the controller and it's all literally in front of their face. Right, yeah. So, And, and I think that that was a success on Nax's part, and I think that's probably going to carry over in the... In the, the Knack the sequel. philosophy for Knack 2 is to try to keep it, expand it for people who like it, who are core gamers, because I'm like, I'm a core gamer and I love Knack, uh, but also keep it to where it's it's accessible. Um, so with all that talking about, I thought that, you know, interesting thing that he said, and I agree with what he said, but A, what are some other ways uh, that they can make sure to pull in non-core gamers and maybe casual gamers, and by doing so, by shifting the marketing in that way, do they risk ruining the reputation of the system or not necessarily ruining it, but lessening the reputation of the system within the core gamer market. And the, that part of the idea came from on the article that actually had this quote up. Some people were saying that they don't want to see them do this, but they want to see them continue to make sure they're marketing to the core gamers. Well, here's the thing. Marketing has got two sides on us. Now there is the marketing to the core gamer, and that marketing takes place at things like E3 and PSX yeah. and PAX and Those Gamescom. Are- People who are attuned to gaming and gaming culture and game, uh, you know, they're gonna they're gonna stay more in touch with what's going on at these conventions, and they're gonna they're getting marketed to there. Correct. On yeah, TV that's, that's and more traditional marketing is going to be 
how do we start conveying that this is a console that can get into people who don't who aren't necessarily gamers yet or who aren't necessarily gamers but still want to occasionally play partake in the system right so I, before um i get started into it i don't know if you want to do your opinions first and then viewer mail or not viewer mail but the uh the uh, every week we pin a tweet up that's the topic we kind of were late this week so if you didn't see it we did it late friday night so we apologize for that but we had some viewers kind of chime in on their topic. Do you want to do that? First? I think it's always best to just start with them uh, and let. Sure, yeah, go for it. I, I think it's interesting because, like I say, I like that you can see what they yeah, say, and sometimes yeah. it'll actually be like, oh yeah, you we'll know? work off of their opinions. Yeah. And stuff. So um, let's see, uh, Josh Ayers, Ayers, something like that. <laughs> he's a new Ayers. listener. Thank you so much for. Uh, a, he's been talking to us a whole lot, so I appreciate that. That's, yeah, uh, that's thanks true. for being part of the community, talking with all of us, and thank you for listening. Obviously, uh, so let's see. Josh Ayers says. I think they already have attracted the non-core uh, gamers with the third-party partnerships and letting them have the end of the year. Then they take the start of the year with Bloodborne, Horizon, and even Uncharted moving to accommodate these third parties, and that's all they have to do and have done. So I, I you know, agree. That's, I, that's interesting. That's very to think smart about. because if you think about it, there's almost no exclusives that come out around that time. Even the Last Guardian waited until after right. everything. Yeah, it was like okay, we're just going to be the end of December, and I think that's because they had to get it out in 2016. Or people would have just would have not cared. Well, people they were already on the edge of people not caring, and I think that they just they had said 2016 they just had to do it. They had yeah. to, they had to get it out, and of course that meant moving Gravity Rush. But of the two games, Gravity Rush could stand the move. The Last Guardian probably couldn't have. Um, so with that being said, I think he's I think he's smart. This fir- the first half of the year has gotten to a point where it's the exclusive area for PlayStation, and they are doing because of the fact that they have so many. Uh, consoles out in the wild now they have the third party relationships they need to partner and make sure that the console does look attractive for people who are just going to hop in with call of duty or star wars because star wars is huge and of course people go i can play star wars on on a console bam i'm gonna pick up star wars and i think star wars is interesting because it straddles the line between core gamers and non-core gamers because people just like star wars yeah Um, yeah now uh, i think people will pick up that game uh and then madden and sports games that's another important thing i honestly wouldn't consider those i'd get if you play those games i would consider you a core gamer i disagree in the sense of i know plenty of people who play those games and never touch a single other game and and i think that's an important thing to, to differentiate between because if you're only buying the console for four or five games a year and they're all sports games you are not actually part of the people that they are speaking to at conferences like E3. Not necessarily. EA are going to talk I, to you like that. You're, but it's still in a, it, it, You may not be the majority well, like that. But you're, you're in the. You're not a casual. Uh, you're in this weird in between. When you're that married to it, I don't. I wouldn't quite consider you a core gamer uh, because I think a core gamer does explore a little more of the genres and the market that's going on in the system. Doesn't have to be, I think that there's core and I think there's actually hardcore. I think there's people that just play everything. Uh, but I think it's hard to say that people that literally only play sports games are 100% core gamers. I think that they're in this in between and they're, they're in a little more of a transitional period in, in their own right where they have an easier time saying that game looks cool. I'm gonna pick it up than someone who hasn't even touched a console. Uh, and I don't know. I mean, that's just my opinion on it. I don't think there's anything bad of saying about that. I think that there are plenty of people that just play that and they're fine with that. Um, but you wouldn't say the same thing about shooters, though. You wouldn't say that if you're buying the same shooter. Well, like, and it, but the difference there is that when you go into shooter games, playing one shooter game will actually branch you out into the non not so mainstream shooter areas 
Whereas sports games are all tied to one thing. They're all tied to physical sports, and that's something you can like in the real world and something you can like in the game world. It's a, it's a tie. It's a, it's a through line. Now, when you're doing shooters, you're going to first person. First person, yes, there's very casual side of the first person uh, market that does Call of Duty. And then Call of Duty gets people in, and then they start going, you know what, Battlefield. Battlefield's reached that mainstream marketing point now. Oh, yeah, of course. And then things like Halo, which are just so big and phenomenal, and, and they were you know defining a generation that people hop into that. These are all games that are easy for people to hop into. But now that they've hopped into that and they know how they like shooters, it's that much easier for them to hop into something like Metro. It's that much easier for them to go from Metro to a third-person shooter. It's that much easier for them to go a third-person shooter to a third-person action game. Yeah, but at the same time, you play through uh, like football games and all this stuff, and I think what the, the the whole thing with Sony is is that the way they're trying this marketing is that if you are buying you know Madden, and I don't think NCAA is a thing anymore. No, it's but, not. But um, if you're buying you know Madden every single year. You're typically probably not pl- you're playing your PlayStation for only that one game that you pick up, and that's going to be a very rare amount of people. I'm telling you, I, I know enough people in this town who do just that. Well, I'm just saying, but the amount of hours they put into it, that one game. Yeah. Now, I would imagine that those hours well, they, they continue in, to play, yes. It's roughly the same amount of time we would. But see, I wouldn't think that Sony's marketing towards them because they already have the system. They're already enjoying what they want to enjoy. I think Sony's going more towards the Well, direction. that's not necessarily true because some of these people, a lot of these sports games still straddle the generational line. And then there's people who buy sports games and they don't buy them every year. They buy them every other year. They wait until there's more substantial changes. So for people who, who bought Madden 16, which was on 360, who have had no reason to jump into 17, they're on this PS3, 360 era, and this is the point where they can jump and go, is this is this now? Well, lucky for them, eighteen just came out. Okay. Is this now the moment where I jump to the PS4 because eighteen looks good enough? So right. What I mean is, these aren't people but, who the, core gamers are people who typically buy the console within the first couple of years of the cycle. Right, but but even then, which the, we are there. I mean, Sony's you, Sony's marketing wouldn't go for these people who are waiting on sports games to come out. These this is this is a whole new thing of uh, almost a generational a style marketing. It's a mixture I mean, because. It's, it's, if you, let's be honest, if you're playing sports games, you don't care about connecting your phone to your PS4 because that's all you're, you're all you're playing you're uh, playing your PS4 about. Now you may have hundreds of hours per year in these games, which is impressive because you know people who buy sports games they'll probably play a sports game as long as I play Destiny. Yeah. So yeah, I would think that they're a little bit more. Um, core than casual. Well, we've got but, a long time on that, but yeah, but there, um, I think that this whole new thing with like this marketing is going towards the younger people and the older audiences and maybe the audiences that aren't interested I can in see gaming. That. It's, it's debatable. I, yeah. I can see that. I, I think that you have a foot to stand on. They're not necessarily not core gamers. Right. But the, I just, I have a hard time completely lumping them in with core gamers. Right. Uh, and this is based off of specific people who I know. That's where this kind of reinforcement of this idea comes from. I know people who literally only buy those, uh, and that's just kind of where they're at. They're not interested in the larger gaming yeah. market. Yeah, and I know people like that too. But uh, so let's it's, see. It's, Next person, it's such up, a weird game. Uh, no fate has says. I think uh, you have to start with explaining what's the difference between core gamers and non-core gamers. So we've kind of gone into that. We, yeah, we go. We, we're we're talking about what's the difference of what keeps one person from buying every game they see that just really pulls them. And I think it's because of what you consider gaming to be. Some people consider it a hobby. Some people consider it a lifestyle. Um, and neither is right or wrong. I think it's depending on how you apply it to your life. Uh, gaming is a lifestyle for me, the lifestyle for you. Uh, yeah. Gaming actually takes almost complete precedence over 
movies or TV. Uh, I love some TV shows, but I game way more than I watch movies or watch TV. Right. This it's is our, this is my it's medium. It's our preferred way of to, to take in media. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and I think that that's part of what comes into is where do people... Pro- I, I think that you start getting to a point where core gamers are people who like to get the majority of their experience through gaming. Uh, but I don't want it, to... It's not quite that black and white. It just can't be. Yeah, and so that's um, what we were kind of talking about is it becomes a hard line of... of the amount of hours you play versus the type of games you play. And I'm going to say, I think the easiest way to say non-core gamers, the the one through line I think you consider is people who are just entrenched in mobile gaming. When you're that into right. mobile gaming, you're typically not tied into what's happening in the grander gaming scheme. Uh, that's just, that's, I mean, cause you know, the, it's the truth. mobile it, gaming is so big that the large majority of people who are into mobile gaming are not going to be into actual gaming. Right. Uh, it's a, it's a, it's a big old, they're almost ugly. two completely different markets. And it's funny cause people are saying, Oh, well, cell phones are pulling people out. I disagree. Pulling cell phones, people out to what? Well, they're saying not that consoles. all it's doing is that cell phone has this own market that they're culturing and then gaming has their own market. They're culturing. And I, and, and it's that there's less because gaming's taking this, People are going to look and go, that's gaming. Bam. They're going to go this side when they could have originally been like, oh, well, this is gaming and then hop in the PlayStation See, or anything, Xbox or whatever anything it be. mobile market, like, that's just, that's the cancer of gaming because that's what brought in pay to win stuff. I have a hard time saying it's the cancer of gaming. There's a lot of bad things that it does, but I also think that there are, there are great cell phone games. Uh, sure, there yes, are, and I think that there are cell phone games that pull people in, and I think that you're starting to see even more of that. I think these people that are bringing Final Fantasy to the to cell phone, even the older games that they've already been doing, and then taking something like Final Fantasy 15 and bring it to the cell phone. Somebody plays that and they go, "I like this. Maybe I want to actually see what Final Fantasy 15 on the consoles is like." You're starting. I, nobody would ever do that. I disagree, Never. man. I think you're starting to see the building bridges of how to connect it to. No, I think that is something that you don't think Nintendo's doing after, that with Mario. After 100 million don't years, wrong. Mario's already huge and it's a separate market. But for so, like Mario Run, yeah. Do you not think they're doing that? Do you not think so? You don't think Sega did that with all those Sonic running games? It's wait, wait, Sonic running. I thought they just had the Sonic games on there. No, I thought those were the full length games. No, I mean there might be some because they were doing Dreamcast on there, but there well, are I mean, separate Sonic games. I mean, then it's not necessarily a mobile game, but they've had all the Final Fantasies on there. No, no, can, I can go buy almost every Final Fantasy up to ten. Well, and oh, that's well, what I mean, though. And of course, that's, and that's reaching into some people who just want to have the ease of playing it on the go. But then it's also people who have never played the Final Fantasy game who randomly buy it and then go, "I don't like to see what a Final Fantasy on a console looks like." See, I'm, I'm, I'm almost, I almost have this mindset of like, if you're gonna want to play <laughs> a video. Game, weeds in this we pad. are. <laughs> but if you want to play a video game, um, if your cell phone is the only thing you have, that's obviously the only thing you have. But I don't know. Well, I, everyone has a cell phone. I know there's not such more or less. Right. That's where you have to think. And about. I know there's not much such studies as this. But I'd love to see a study of people who have picked up a phone and played a game and then bought a console because of their phone. Well, a I don't think it's I don't think it's instant. What do you mean? There's that. It's not like they picked up a phone, played one game. Was like, oh, oh, I, I well, want yeah, of course, of course. Uh, and it would be a weird study because you'd have to follow through. Uh, but I'd even just like a study of getting 2000 people who all say they played phone games. Uh, and then asking them, did you start gaming on phones? Have you since, have you since transitioned into also playing on consoles or only playing on consoles and seeing how many of that is, how many people say yes. Um, I think that would be an interesting enough study. It would be it'd be interesting um, but, for sure. Like I said, that's the kind of thing between core and non-core gamers. I think that there are people who are very tied into what's happening in the day-to-day world of gaming, and then there's people who are kind of just uncharted. I heard about that. You know why'd what you, I mean? Why do you have to do a southern accent like that? <laughs> because I had this exact conversation at work yesterday. 
one of our maintenance guys at work was talking about something. We were talking about the Lost Legacy. He walks up and he's like, what are you guys talking about? I was like, I'm talking about games. He's like, oh, he's like, I'm not too big in the game, but what game are you talking about? I go, and Charlie goes, I heard of that. See, I will say that with mobile gaming, I have seen one instance of a success that did not show that it lasted long, and that was Pokemon Go. They got people into playing real Pokemon on handhelds. Yeah. And then it was absolutely nuts. But then if you ask anybody who has ever, like, who bought that after playing Pokemon Go, you'll notice they're still playing Pokemon Go instead of... Of course. Yeah, instead of the DS Well, um, it's, it's weird, but... Because I, I know three three different people that bought Sun and Moon were like, man, I love Pokemon Go. Like, <laughs> I, I don't like this at all. Uh, well, like, well <laughs> I, I mean, I think that was an interesting part. So, I mean, I hope that, that kind of gets to where... I, and I mean... I, no fate. Tell us what what do you think is is there a difference between core and encore? Uh, if not, do you think our description makes enough sense? And it's a little hard to look at non-core gamers when you're actually part of a core gamer group, or you know, it's just hard to think because you have what you feel like as people who aren't core. Yeah, they. But it's so hard to say because you know, Mountain and Doritos there's, for their lunch. There's some like, there's some people who kind of hide gaming in a weird way. As odd as that is, I did that. Uh, uh, hide of the game? Like, that's a weird thing to me. I was like, if you game and you love it, why would you hide it? Oh wait, never mind. I, I don't want to spend too much time on that though. Uh, so going back, uh, next person is Sean Sanderud, Mr. Rude Cold. He's the one who gave us our topic of the show last week. Uh, he says, as long Thank as we keep that. getting great exclusive games from Sony, then core games will remain happy. There has always been casual games like Buzz. That's a great point. And, it is. And, and, and in terms of what can Sony do? And this isn't part of the question necessarily, but what can Sony do to make sure that they don't ruin their reputation within core gamers? The answer to that is just to continue at these conferences to show the games that core gamers are going to want to see. God of War is that seminal, you know, phenomenal thing where it's like everybody knows a phenomenon it. where it's like that's a game that does bridge the gap. That's a game that people who who haven't bought a PS4 at all are going to buy, are gonna buy PS4 just to play God of War. Yeah. That's a weird thing, but that's that's what happens. And I think that that's a mixture. I think that uh, they can, uh, Sony continues to focus on the franchises that are not only successful within the core gaming crowd, but are also successful within the non-core crowd, uh, just like Microsoft does with Halo. And I think that they also can. Yeah. And Uncharted is another example of that. Uh, oh, because Uncharted three, even though four came out a little bit, just in general. When I say when, when I go into Uncharted as a whole. Uncharted is, a, is such a phenomenon experience, and it got so big that I know people who literally started gaming just because of Uncharted. A uh, guy I work with, Mario, he was very loose at gaming. He, we ended up talking to him to getting uh, a couple of different games. Like he picked up The Witcher, actually liked it. Uh, picked up Uncharted uh, one through three, loved it. See, that's picked up Uncharted four, and now he games way more than he was when he first started. At least in my opinion, I'll ask him at work, but I'm pretty that's, sure that's, that's that one of those true. weird instances on which you got a, a, a very casual person and into he bought gaming it. He bought with, it to play NBA and stuff without a casual, yeah, without a casual game. Yeah, well, it's, I think Uncharted is, but he the fact that he loved The Witcher as much as he did. Wait, you think Uncharted's a, ca- a more casual style game? Yes. Action adventure has always been very easy to digest for people who aren't necessarily into gaming. People love Indiana Jones, Indiana Jones I guess since is something, and this I guess is since I'm, comparable. I'm, I'm correlating it to a series, so I guess that's why I'm thinking. Yeah, but now that even on PS4 now you can play literally every Uncharted game yeah, outside of the, collection. the Vita one. Just don't do it all in within a weekend, because boy, will you, will you wear <laughs> yourself out. Uh, anyway, I think that, yeah, you're right. There's always been casual games, and I think that uh, they're doing even better stuff. Uh, not Even before Playlink, I think Until Dawn was a great example of a, of a game that was... And this is a weird line. Walking simulators and things like Until Dawn straddle a weird line. Some core gamers really don't like them. Um, and I understand. It depends, but I've only liked one. So, and that's Everybody's Gone in the Rapture. That's a great game. I thought you liked Until Dawn. 
Well, I don't. That's you, the, you don't consider you, said, you don't consider that a walking simulator because in a lot of I ways guess it Hellblade is. is too. Hellblade has Hellblade has walking simulator moments. Yeah, because you because that's Hellblade is very. It's like walking simulator puzzle combat. Well, I'm talking about in the in a but, sense of walking simulator in which that's almost all you do. Yeah. Okay. Like and, Firewatch. And, yeah, I got you. I got you. Uh, which I still think to an extent until Dawn falls into that. Uh, but it's like it's a little more narrative heavy and choice driven, so that it gives you yeah. a little more of a feeling of uh, what what do they call that um, when you're in something? I can't even think of the word for it. Immersed? Right now. Not really immersed, but uh, like player. Uh, well, I'm, I'm not gonna spend too much time on it. You, I'm so confused. I'll think of the word after we're done. I swear, I'm just uh, brain farting right now. So the last uh, ones we have, let's see. Uh, to be honest, this is Shiriko. Uh, MP00, the winner of our $20 giveaway for episode 20. Uh, thank you for still watching, listening, all that. That's great. We appreciate you. Uh, it says, to be honest, just get a good selection of stuff from the easy and quick to the hard and skilled. And the more you vary, the more choice you give people, the more of the non-gamer market you appeal to. But never ease or never ever push the gamers out as they are the core of the market. So Correct. You never want to take these you never want to take you, you, solutions from your current uh for your current market and and discard those for trying to get into a new market and when you're doing something is success the ps4 has been such a wild runaway success i think sony knows they can't drop what they've started oh no but they have to keep and that's why i think the, that's why i'm saying now that you're going to see a complete division you're going to see them focus more and the stuff that you see on tv is going to be less focused around Okay, here's Uncharted and stuff. I think you see Uncharted because, like I said, it's a, it's a big thing like that. I think you'll see God of War commercials. That's important because those are big franchises. But I think more of the TV commercials are going to start being PlayLink-based. And they're really going to try and drive home Knack and PlayLink and all these things. And uh, if they continue to do more of Ratchet & Clank, I think that was another one that was able to pull people in, not only because of the movie, which made people want to play the game. even though Which is a weird... Which is, I'm glad. It's weird when you did it the opposite. You know what I mean? Yeah, um, it's... it's- such a weird phenomenon they had there. But there's games that they have in their stable that they can continue to kind of blur the line. Correct. Uh, and then I think that they can hard market to the core audience at the places that the core audience are attuned to. And the places where the core audience don't really care so much about, they can try and pull in the cell phone part of PlayLink. And I think that with uh, that game coming up, what I can't even think of the name of it off the top of my head. Um, the one Is that's a PlayLink game? Hidden Agenda. Um, yeah. The one by Until Dawn's developers. Right. I think that they can show that off, and not only is it uh, the subject matter adult enough to want to pull adults in, uh, I think it can almost be like a family watching a thriller thing. Like, oh, hey. And then we're the whole family's going to get together, and we're all going to hook our cell phones up, and we're going to see it, and we're going to play this game out. I think it's interesting. I, myself, am going to play that game single player, and I'm glad they let you do that, because... Again, you're straddle, you're blurring that line. You're making right. it, you're making it acceptable enough for people to come into, and you're keeping it to where people who just like the games can do that. So, in your opinion, what about of the marketplace? Like, okay, we'll say, a, what what percentage should be this more casual marketing? Yeah, like, I, it sounds weird, but with what Sony's saying, with they've already reached the majority of the core market, at least the core market that's going to buy in the PlayStation over Xbox, uh, are the people who are going to buy both. You know what I mean? Um, I want to say strongly. I want to say it probably is best to do fifty-fifty, uh, but I think that it's probably more safe to do sixty-forty or or something See, similar to that. This is the tricky thing: is that where? Well, because like, well, I'm saying when you have that division, it doesn't really matter. The you don't 
you don't want to start kid, off big kids, though. Kids and old. What I mean by that is kids and old people are not going to watch E three and Gamescom and do these things. You know what I mean? The right. market that they're trying to expand into are not going to go to these things anyway. So well, when you, think, so it's almost like they don't even have to worry because it's going to naturally be 50-50. They're going to do the marketing that they've always done at E3, and then they're going to flip that, and they're going to do the marketing they've done on TV. They're just going to go more aggressively towards trying to incorporate more of the uh, market that, that they want. You know what I mean? Well, I also think that it's a great opportunity for people and couch co-op. Yeah. Which is a thing that which almost every gamer who has, you know, a... a Friends and Which family. is part of NAC, by the way, NAC too. Yeah. So I think that you're seeing a, a collaborative effort from all sides of Sony to make sure that they have something to show in this market while also still appealing to all those same sides. It, it's funny because I don't think any of these games that I'm talking about are actually just casual, but they're... they're you can be played as. They're accessible enough that they can be casual while also doing what the core market would like to see within the genres that they like. I think that there is, this should be a test almost. If they're going to try to do this, they should do it small at first. And then if it works out, they should expand slowly. And then it should, I don't think it should start out 50 because if it's 50% of the current player, like not player base, but if it's I'm, 50% I'm with you, but I, like I said, the only reason out, I say 50, 50 is because of the split that I'm talking. Cause well, I mean, all to them, it's all about money. Actually, well, I said, I guess it's what I'd say. They do more of their marketing in core gamer markets and crowds realistically and and they also they don't have to do as much marketing now because social media automatically does that people love zombies right days gone has actually been really big on facebook because people are like you gonna play this zombie game and people are like whoa this looks awesome this is the first time they've seen anything like that they don't know that gaming has got actually kind of a, a, a diluted zombie or, or an overcrowded actually yeah, I was gonna say, um, it's zombie market yeah um, um, I, I think though that Microsoft they have a Minecraft Xbox, and I was telling you about it. It is ridiculous for the price it costs. It costs as much as a PS4 Pro, and it is not the Xbox One X. It's a standard Xbox. But I will, I will always admit, isn't that the smartest thing in the world to take the most child-friendly video game and make a console and have it be that much? Because you know, people are going to buy it. They're going to buy it for their kids. And it's going to be ridiculous. And I see, and I think Minecraft is another example of a casual game that has actually gotten people to transfer in. I, I guarantee it. Of course, yeah, because it's, it's introducing people to gaming, my, a lot like Crash Bandicoot and platformers not, used to do. Not so much on consoles, but on on PC, Minecraft has like what is it, um, Hunger Games and stuff like that. And now kids who played the Hunger Games, like the first person shooter mods, they're playing um, Player Unknown Battlegrounds and Counter Strike. And I've seen, I've seen with my own eyes. YouTubers who started out as Minecraft content creators and they're evolving. Yeah. And it's not something I'm into, of course, but it's something that is there. Uh, and it's just kind of weird. Um, but I guess as we wrap up, you know, like you obviously, we, we both are on the same page of agreeing that this is a kind of a smart way to do it. Well, I it, think because they have to. How do you go? I don't think they have how, to. I, well, I mean, they have to to get the success they want. But I don't think they have to do this at all because they've already. They've already sold 60 million. I mean, it's actually more like 65 or more. Right. But here's the thing. His point is that if they don't, if they don't preemptively strike, they're at the point where there is a, there's a good chance that their numbers start to slow down and they're, they have such, they've built such a, but it should, it's the end of the generation at this point. It's really not. 
it should be though. Like here's the thing. Well, no, this isn't. Think about that, man. This isn't even. This is midway. We're four years. This was. This shouldn't be midway though. Console generation shouldn't be eight years. Hold, hold on, but you're not thinking the right way of what a console generation really is. A new generation can come without completely obliterating the old market because the old market continues to thrive through, just like PlayStation Three and Xbox Three Sixty have done up until about this year. I wouldn't they're, say they're that. They're really starting to lack. I'm telling you, PS2, the reason it hit the number... It oh, PS2 was still making FIFA games like 2013. The, the, the reason that the PS2 hit those numbers 12. is because that generation continued. Because the casual gaming market that comes in midway through... Again, I'm telling you, I'm pretty sure 2019, that's a six-year console cycle. That's normal. That's more normal than it's been. Now, I would say six would be the, 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 the stretching point. That'd be where I would well, be fine 2019, it if it comes out the end of 2019, we're good. That's six years. And that makes sense because the PS4 definitely with the iterative jump we've seen. Because it is so easy though. Like here's what it just is boggles my mind. People say there's not enough hardware to release, you know, better, uh, or there's not enough uh, techno- technological advancement to release better hardware. There is people then they they don't want to do it because the prices cost too much and you know this is well and i think sony's smart to say that while they did an iterative console they still want to see a real console generation because i think that microsoft is going to continue to do this thing where it's like all games work across the board and that's how it should work for playstation i I disagree with ps5 i want ps5 to be a standalone console if it's backwards compatible that's about games i'm not talking about being a system upgrade I thought you meant across the board as in working. Well, no, in- but the Xbox One X is not going to get to be its own console. Every game that comes out with it also has to still continuously play on the original Xbox right, One. Right, right. Which, how- which is holding the new console back, but it's better for casuals who don't want to buy in or for people who are core that don't have quite as bit much money who don't want to buy into a console and then literally a year later they go, well, my console is technically no longer cream of the crop. It's a weird straddling line. See, and this and is really, you're, we're merging into a completely different topic we are, at this point. We are. And I think that's probably a topic better used for another day. Right, because I could get, boy, I could, I get the hardware talk. But I do want to say that four years into a generation is not the end of the generation uh, because a generation continues even after the new one starts. So let's say that the PS4 wow. comes out, PS5 comes out in uh, 2019. Okay. That's six years. You will still see the PlayStation 4 go for at least three more years. I can almost guarantee it. Well, see, and see, this is what I mean by the end. We've sold 60, I say we, as, as if I'm Sony. Well, but They've Sony wants 60, to sell over 100 million. That's what that's you need. That's not going to gonna happen. That is not going to happen. Why? Because anybody who wants a PS4 already has one. This whole <laughs> new market share thing, they're not going to buy a PS4 because they like the stuff on their phone. Well, if they get the, hold on. If they get the cheap, if they get it down low enough and the prices, you, you highly underestimate how many people, A, just go in there and impulse buy. Like, hey, I like this. This is not $200. Not 40 million people. Well, hold on, hold on. How do they, if you say it can't be done, then how did the PS2 hit 150 million consoles sold? Because that was at a much simpler time when there wasn't five iterations of it out. I'm t- I, now, don't get me wrong. I'm not there saying. Was two. Hold, on, hold on. I'm not saying that the PS4 is going to hit PS2 numbers. I think it can if Sony continues to, to just be aggressive and, and keep the right moves. But the PS3 and 360 both hit 80 million. Right, and that's and that's hold the on, crazy but you thing. don't they think, were out for ten years. Well, yeah, but that's but those were also elongated generations during a, a depression. Which, yeah, which during a depression, right? And, and they were both a- economic downturn. And the, the fact that Patients of Three hit that after coming out at six hundred dollars, dude, I'm saying that they are more prime and they're selling faster and better now. And they and the gaming market has actually expanded since then. That you are gonna, I guarantee you, they hit a million, a hundred million. I guarantee it. Okay, here are my terms As long as this. they do what they're doing now. As long as there is not a PS5 out. They're not going to hit 100 million before PS5 comes out. Oh, no. 
No, they'll hit. That's what I'm saying. No, they're going to hit. No, the they're going the to They're going to hit 100 million by the end, by the time they're done. That's what's important that, to them. That's and that is and that makes sense. What I'm saying though is that because the PlayStation the Two wasn't at 150 million whenever the PS3 came out. Well, yeah, and you see, we're saying here 2019. That's two years from now. Yeah. This is roughly the end of the generation. I'd feel. I mean, you're you're, you're a little over halfway. Yeah. So th- we're not going to like hit a whole lot more numbers. I don't think, I think that this marketing makes sense. And of course these are marketing experts. So they know this, they know that this works. This is, and this is coming from some dude from Arkansas, but I think that it makes sense and it's going to work. It's just not going to explode. And it's, it's gonna not going people, to, it's a slow burn. It's a trickle. It's, it's just going to, it's what it's supposed to be. Yeah. Uh, but I'm, but all I'm saying is that they want this thing to be as successful as possible. I guarantee you that by the time that the PS, by the time that the PS4's life cycle is done, they will have probably broke a hundred million. I think that they'll yeah, probably. I could, I could see that. I could actually even see it possibly going as far as to outsell the PS One, which was like 110 or something. I, like that. I could see that once the PS Five's out, because it, it is a very, uh, you know, it's a great system, and then they have the PS Four Slim. It's cheap. Oh, and they're going to continue to bring that price down. Of course, by, yeah, they're probably by the down time $200. by the time the PS Five comes out, I would imagine the PlayStation uh, Four is probably going to be two hundred dollars, if not, and then if not less. Probably like two. I'd say probably three fifty. No. I think within the next year you see the Pro go to three fifty. I think by the yeah. time that the Xbox One X launches, you actually see it drop. I agree with their marketing sense. I think it's going to work. I just don't think that uh, as you know, as what No End said, I don't think it is uh, worth pushing out any uh, core audiences, which I don't think is obviously going to happen. But I don't want to see this take a turn for the worse where that could be a possibility. And I don't think it will. I don't but think it I will think, either. I think Sony knows that the, the gaming, like games, is what got them where they are. Right. Whereas Microsoft well, and they've already showed They've already showed a couple of their, their refer back to's of the, the old Sony recently. They've already kind of leaked a little bit of that not, personality not in a, out Not there. in a big way. Not in a big enough way to hurt them. But in a, in a way, though, that shows that they still have that kind of, that, they have and that it, thought every process. Every company does. It's it, it comes from a it's a company man. Oh, I know, I know that they don't care about anybody. It's just all that's what I was saying earlier. It's all about the money. Well, there's people within the company that care, but the company as a whole, right? Yeah, man, if I they're, they're beholden, Sony, they're beholden like to, the, the, to the shareholders. It just so happens to be that Sony's learning that the best way to make the shareholders happy with great sales is to also try and be good to the to the, to your the consumer. Consumer, yeah. So, and it, you know, it's all about marketing and it's all about the way it works. I think it's going to work as long. And this is, like I said earlier, I'm on the uh, on the exact same page with no end. Don't push out people. No end. Who, no, no fate. No fate. Is that, I, was, think about, I didn't think that was even him. I said what, that. Or was it Shiriko? No, I think that was. Uh, it might have been no fate. I'm not sure. Just go ahead. But uh, I keep getting. I get no fate and world's end. We love both of you guys, but I get y'all's names mixed up somehow, and I don't know how that works. Um, but I think that it's a it's a smart move for them. It's nothing that's going to affect me, obviously. Like I'm not going to go go into doing this. It's not going to change my mind on the way I'll play games. So it's not meant for me. So it's not really meant for any of us. It's going to be a new way we can experience games in a way. But it's not. Shuriko is the one who said, "Don't push the core out of the market." Got it. Okay, so Shuriko. Um, but it's not really meant for us as hardcore gamers. It's not really meant for us for for people who spend their amount of, like, amount of time we do playing games. It's there yeah, it's for not. us to it's it is there for us to indulge in when we do. But we like, already have a we already have a clear roadmap of an entire 2018 that's catering to us. 
Right. So it doesn't and matter. So if Sony if Sony flipped their page right now and just showed the games they keep showing at Gamescom and at these things, and then they just literally all TV and all the rest of their marketing goes towards this kid thing, we already have a solid right. year where we don't have to that's, work. That's, that, that was the point I was getting to is that like it, it's not affecting us in any way. And as, as long as it doesn't, then... We'll, we'll still be here. All right, well, we've gone on longer than I expected. Way too to. long. So, we always say it's going to be a short episode, and guess what? Never is. Well, you said it before we started recording, but it's, I actually kind of thought it would be on this one, too. But hey, look. A problem. Good discussion, Saul. I love you. Yeah. Guys. But, you know. Thank you guys for listening to our tangents. All right. Uh, well, until next week's episode, we will be back with episode 23, of course. Of course. Man, 23 episodes. It seems happy, so. Happy, it seems so long and so not long. Ha- we're half a year right now. Yeah. Okay. So just so y'all are aware, right now, just a little bit of early announcements. Uh, we're gonna get dig more into this as it gets closer. Um, we're trying to work out to where Saul can come to, but I have already purchased our tickets and our flight and everything to go to PSX for me and Blaze. Blaze has been on the show in in some fashion, depending on uh, he was here for Saul one day. Uh, but Blaze will be coming, and I will be there uh, if we can work it out to where everything is cool with Saul's schedule. Saul will be there as well. So if y'all come to PSX, uh, look for us and let us know. Tweet at us, tell us you're coming, uh, and we will look for y'all. And we can do a little bit of a meetup. That'll be fun. Yep. Uh, and we have some plans for some cool content and some cool giveaways and stuff while we're there. We do um, something we have been working on yeah so with that being said i'm gonna go ahead and say that this is the end of the episode saul and once we we apologize for the pacing almost as bad as the death note movie (laughs) Saul, thank you for joining me on this episode as always uh and thank you guys for listening so until next week this has been triangle squared thank you guys